to Kirsty Wiebeck. This is my podcast. Thank you for tuning in to episode two of The Best. If you're loving it, please subscribe, review and tell your friends to get around it. If you're not enjoying it, I'm going to assume you're not listening anymore. So this sentence is probably redundant. Thanks so much to everyone who's already left a review and harangued their friends into getting involved. I'm like, I'm so blown away by how many people listened. Like, I definitely released it hoping that people would listen, but I think I had really low expectations. So I can't believe how many people have been sharing it on social media, leaving really kind reviews and just telling people that they should pop it in their ears. So thank you so much for all of the love that you've given my podcast. Now, the first episode had listeners as far afoot as Hong Kong, South Africa, Germany, and even Geelong. That's right, all the way across the bay. Special shout out to my Geelong listeners. Thank you so much. Also, uh, speaking of special shout outs, I would like to say a huge thanks to the parents who advised that their children had enjoyed the pod. I appreciated the very subtle reminder to watch my language. But all jokes aside, most of you who told me your children were listening uh, actually gave the disclaimer that you have very potty mouths yourself. So that's made me feel a lot better about the situation. Thank you. Now, in case this is the first time you're joining us, each episode I tackle a different topic or two and I present the best of that, all those topics, right? Now, the only thing you need to remember when you're listening is that what I say goes, right? It's not a debate. It's not an open forum. I'll be presenting objective truths after much research and as such, no further correspondence will be entered into. Please bear that in mind. As long as we're all on the same page with that, uh, it's going to be a real fun time. And I also need you to just remember that we all have a very different idea of what much research means. While I'll enjoy giving you the facade that I'm really digging deep, I'm not digging deep at all. I made the podcast in response to the prevalence of listicles. We see them everywhere, don't we? Like the top 10 eateries in Melbourne, the top 10 Elton John songs. Like I don't want a list. I just want to know what's holding the number one position. I don't want to have to rummage through a back catalogue to find out what the greatest offering is from that band or from that director or that actor or whatever it is. Like did Chumbawamba really have five great songs that we need to know about or can we just talk about tub thumping and move on? I think we can just talk about tub thumping and move on. Luckily for all of us, I'm not afraid to make a call, right? I'm not afraid to say what's number one, uh, what the objective best is and I've got no hesitation in throwing it out into the ether or popping it up on iTunes and Spotify as it were. <laughs> For a quick recap, in episode one, I talked about the best dinosaur and the best cheese. Get a load of those topics, two very exciting topics. It should come as no surprise that the Triceratops and Halloumi cheese were the inaugural winners. I think that's quite intuitive. I'm actually pretty shocked by how many people have pushed back on this very objective ruling. So before I deliver some more home truths today, I'd just like to quickly respond to some of the backlash I received on social media. On Facebook, Genevieve Harvey posted the following message. 
I know you don't want to talk about it, but velociraptors are the best dinosaur. Firstly, thanks Genevieve for acknowledging my no further correspondence will be entered into policy. I'm just disappointed that you didn't leave it there. To address your completely irrational assertion that velociraptors are the best dinosaur, for anyone who isn't familiar with them by name, they were the hideous, terrifying dinosaurs made famous in the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park. You know, people were like cowering behind counters while these gross dinosaurs were rolling around like trying to get them. Now, to be fair, experts have said that their representation in Jurassic Park probably wasn't quite accurate, but by all accounts, they were still rancid creatures. Genevieve, I can only assume you were completely off your face when you offered this dinosaur up as an alternative to the Triceratops. I can't possibly think of any other reason why you would think it was okay to put that dinosaur forward. Just to further outline why your remark was ludicrous, they were roughly the size of a small turkey. I don't know if you're familiar with the difference between a small turkey and a large turkey. I'm not. (laughs) I've got no (laughs) problem admitting I'm not across turkey sizing. But adult velociraptors grew up to two metres long. That's quite long, I think. They're also half a metre tall at the hip. Is that a tall hip? I don't know. And they weighed up to 15 kilograms, okay? So in simple terms, velociraptors were yucky. Velociraptors had two large hand-like appendages. I'm so sorry for using the word appendage in this podcast. It won't happen again. And they had three curved claws on each of these hands. Now, they also had a sickle-shaped talon on the second toe of each foot. And the gross thing about these talons is that they kept them off the ground and they were like folded-up switchblades. That's what scientists have likened them to. And so they use these as hooks to keep their prey from escaping. Yuck, gross. In summary, Genevieve, absolutely not. Velociraptors were not the best dinosaur. They were nasty little carnivorous hunters with large claws who spent their days cornering and spearing smaller animals as snacks. Genevieve. They were significantly inferior to the actual best dinosaur, the Triceratops, and I'm frustrated that I've even had to go into this. Several people also contacted me to say that human cheese is delicious. As I very clearly outlined in episode one, it's not. You're wrong. I've contacted the authorities regarding these outrageous assertions and each of those people will have their laptops confiscated in the coming days. Today, I'm talking to you about vegetables. I'm a big vegetables fan. There I said it. I can't take it back now. But I'm more than aware that like everything, some vegetables are good while others are inherently evil. Take eggplant, zucchini and capsicum, for example. What a culinary abomination. I don't know what it is about those three vegetables, but they're enough to make me rue the day I was born. I can't stand them. Like I just, I've got no interest in them. I know one person in the whole world, and there's heaps of people. I feel like that's a fact I should know. Like I feel like I should have been able to say there are X amount of people. Is that true? Like do people just know that off the top of their head? But instead I'm like there's heaps of people 
very profound. So there's so many people in the world, but I know just one who makes an eggplant dish that I love. But he lives in South Africa now and the borders are shut, so not today. No eggplant for me. Also, you'll probably notice a combination of me saying eggplant and eggplant. My partner says eggplant, I say eggplant, and I'm trying to start saying eggplant because I just think it sounds a bit hotter. Anyway, it's a work in progress, bear with me. I think the reason I've got such an aversion to those vegetables is because I was a vegetarian a long time before it was cool. I know, I know, you can't see me right now because this is an audio format, but I'm absolutely taking a bow. The whole reason I started a podcast was to find a way to shoehorn in the fact I'm a vegetarian at least once every episode, so there you have it. Me on episode 20. Today I'll be discussing cars as a vegetarian. No, I'm playing. I genuinely uh, think this is relevant to this conversation, I promise. You'll see. The reason is that when I first became a vegetarian, people didn't know how to cook for us. Like They had no idea. They're like, what? You don't eat meat, but, um, whew, right, okay, um, oh, I guess I'll try and think of something to bring out to you. I remember so clearly the year I gave up meat, it was the summer just after America had the first crewed mission to land on the moon. I hit a deer on my way home from work at the mill and something just clicked in my brain. Seriously though, whenever you went to a cafe or restaurant, they'd serve you some variation of eggplant, zucchini, capsicum and onion, crudely disguised as something delicious with the addition of a sheet of pastry or some cheese, you know that vibe, like, uh, this is the best we could do, just chuck 500 grams of cheese on it. And in fairness, that is usually a pretty good solution to most things. But in this instance, as much as I love pastry and cheese, they are insufficient decoys when they're hiding a mound of manky morsels. Ha! Huh. Uh, 5,000 points to me for some wild alliteration on episode two. I've, I've set the bar way too high already. But why those vegetables? Even to this day, bakeries love whipping them together in some sort of pie casing to appease those of us who don't eat meat. We don't love them. I mean, I've taken the liberty of being the spokesperson for every vegetarian in the world. But come on, capsicum has the texture of an old boot. It's been a good five years since I ate a boot, but I still know this to be true. On the other hand, there are a few vegetables that I would gladly eat under absolutely any circumstances, like broccoli, potatoes and mushrooms. Now, while mushrooms are technically a fungus and not a vegetable, I'm including them in this episode because they're found in the vegetable section at the supermarket and also because I don't have to run this content by anyone before I make it public. <laughs> I just imagine somebody like getting into my editing software overnight and deleting the bit where I've talked about mushrooms. Like, that is not a vegetable. You can't release that. Today I'm going to take a look at these superior vegetables Okay, and then I'm going to make a definitive call on which is the greatest vegetable of all time. 
Now, please remember, it's completely objective. I feel like I've got to keep reiterating that, particularly because there was so much backlash against episode one. Like, I need to remind you what I say goes. I don't want to see on my socials people putting up defense cases for capsicum, zucchini and eggplant either. Like, I don't want to have to, I don't want to put my eyes through it, you know. I don't want to have to look at those words on my Facebook page or my Twitter, okay. Like, leave it out, please. Or I'll be straight on the blower to Mark Zuckerberg. That is not a threat. It's an absolute promise. Hi, Mark. It's me again. No, we've been through this. Blocking and reporting isn't enough. They're unstoppable. It's about eggplant this time, Mark. They've crossed the line. Let's kick it off with the tree on our dinner plate, broccoli. A delicious addition to any dish. Broccoli is rich in nutritional value. How's that? Delicious and healthy. I'm into it. According to Wikipedia, a 100 gram reference serving of raw broccoli provides 34 calories. If you're not a calories kind of person, that's very low calories for food. It's also a rich source of vitamin C, vitamin K, just those two. I said it like I was going to have an extensive list, but it's actually just those. (laughs) Raw broccoli also contains moderate amounts of several B vitamins and also the dietary mineral manganese. Now, I personally have always had a lot of time for manganese. I don't know what manganese is. Raw broccoli is 89% water, 7% carbohydrates, 3% protein, and it contains negligible fat. All right, good on your broccoli. Fighting the good fight, a lot of nutritional value there. It's not only super tasty and great in any dish, it's also a ripper vegetable for your bod, okay? You heard it here first. I think you definitely have heard that in the past, but I'm claiming it. I've got a cool story about broccoli. Um, I probably should let you be the judge of that, but um, no, no, it's a cool story. You're going to hear it. For the two people who don't know, when I was in my 20s, I lived in Taiwan for six years. And one year, my partner at the time and I went to an American chain diner for their birthday. And like, it was a bit of a treat because, you know, we lived like out in the outer suburbs of like Taipei County and we ate Taiwanese food all the time, which was absolutely incredible. Don't get me wrong, but having a bit of Western food was a bit of a treat every now and then. There were some other people in this restaurant who were there celebrating birthdays. How could you tell, Kirsty? Thank you so much for asking that question. It was one of those places where throughout the evening every single staff member would come marching out of the kitchen in a line and they'd be clapping their hands aggressively before surrounding the birthday celebrators' tables and delivering them a birthday surprise, all the while singing the happy birthday song in a way that makes you wish it's your actual last birthday. When I saw this happening, I thought it would be hilarious. Wrong! And also bountiful, right, because these people were getting birthday gifts from the restaurant. So I thought it would be quite bountiful if I grasped up my partner and alerted the restaurant to the fact it was their birthday. I'd noticed them delivering an array of treats, like from plates of ribs through to big pieces of cake. So I thought I'd better specify that my partner is a vegetarian or we could end up with four kilos of ribs on our table, right? No good to us. Now, about 10 minutes after I alerted them, 
15 staff members came marching towards our table, clapping wildly and chanting before presenting my partner with a massive bowl piled high with birthday broccoli. Birthday broccoli. Did you know it was a thing? I had no idea. And as much as I love broccoli, I never want to receive 750 grams of it very publicly on my birthday. I don't want that on any day of the year, but definitely not on my birthday. Like we had a massive hiatus when it came to eating broccoli after that because we both also had really guilty consciences with food waste. So we sat there and we ate that steamed broccoli until it was gone. And I think there was a very important lesson learnt that evening by me, like maybe just leave your birthdays out of it when you go to celebrate. That aside, I've made my peace now. I had a hiatus and then I got right back on the horse. And broccoli is a truly great vegetable that looks like a tree. You can fry it, roast it, steam it or boil it. You can pop it in a stir fry, a quiche, a pie. We can eat it roasted. I've actually also written a limerick about broccoli that I'd like to perform for you now. Broccoli is a tasty food. You can eat it clothed or nude. It looks like a tree. It's very easy to see. It's easier to swallow when chewed. So that's a bit of an educational limerick for you. Don't forget to chew your broccoli. It goes down much easier. Next up, we have potatoes. Have you ever met a person who doesn't like potatoes? Potatoes are from the nightshade family. Okay, let's just address the elephant in the room. But I try all the time around the clock not to hold that against them. According to the all-seeing, all-knowing Wikipedia, raw potato is 79% water, 17% carbohydrates, 2% protein, and it also contains negligible fat. Okay, so uh, 100 grams of raw potato is about 77 calories as well, right? So that's it's not too dramatic, a bit more than broccoli. It's also a rich source of vitamin B6 and vitamin C, okay? Uh, Hopefully this comes up at your next trivia night when all of this uh, COVID shutdown is over and you can be like, yeah, yeah, actually I do know how much vitamin B6 is in a raw potato. French fries, wedges, chunky fries, baked potatoes, mashed potatoes, fried potatoes, curly fries – It's a little-known fact that 93% of all things are made of potatoes. Even humans are 68% potato. Please don't fact-check any of this paragraph. You can even get drunk off potatoes. What? That's right. They play a starring role in vodka production. Potatoes are directly responsible for the erasure of 40% of my memories from my 20s. Amazing. I don't have a funny story about potatoes, but I do have 16,547 very fond memories that involved me eating potatoes. Oh, this this isn't a funny story about potatoes, but I did slip on a shoestring fry last year and ruin my kneecap. You'd imagine that's a strike against the potato, but my only regret is that I rendered that fry inedible. It was a perfectly good chippy on the ground. Another cool fact about potatoes is that there was a spud bar next to my old work and I used to go there all the time. 
I joined their loyalty program and the highlight of my year was getting my free birthday spud. There you go. That's a cool fact, isn't it? That'll come up at your trivia night too. Another thing that makes potatoes super cool is the fact that chat potatoes are adorable. They're such tiny little babies. They're so cute. I always feel guilty eating them. They're delicious so Bake them up. But oh, so cute. Potatoes shouldn't be eaten raw because it's gross. <laughs> but also, these starches are hard for people to digest. So don't bother. Why would you eat a raw potato when you can fry it up and douse it in gravy anyway? Don't even think about it. I don't reckon you would. Oh, I just thought of this right now on the spot. You can also make art with potatoes. In preschool, I remember we did it. We made like stamps out of potatoes. What a cool thing. Oh, I should be doing that now in lockdown. Ah, there you go. There's something you can do with your kids. Make stamps out of potatoes. To summarise, potatoes are versatile, delicious, sometimes adorable and also given away for free on your birthday at Spud Bar. You can also use them as stamps. Amazing. You can't use broccoli as a stamp. You probably could, but potatoes seem more conducive to it. I can't stress enough that getting a load of potato for your birthday, though, is exponentially better than receiving 750 grams of steamed broccoli after being publicly humiliated with the birthday song. <laughs> That's a fact. I'll tell you that for nothing. Get on that Spud Bar loyalty program. I hope they give me some kind of sponsorship after this. Spud Bar, I'll be on to you soon. Me in half an hour. Dear at Spud Bar, <laughs> I gave you a plug. No, I digress. Let's move forward. <laughs> Let's take a look at a very controversial addition to this episode. Okay, I'm, I'm acknowledging it. So we can move forward and let it go. Let's take a look at mushrooms. Speaking of adorable vegetables, how cute is it when you're wandering through the forest and you spot a mushroom in the wild? Here's a, a less cute story. I lived in a rental once that had a significant issue with rising damp and once I found some mushrooms growing behind the couch. Like what a great example of something that's cute in the wild but not in your lounge room. Like another example of that is a panther. Mushrooms are often referred to as the meat of the vegetable world. I'm not sure why it can't just be a fungus of the fungus world or the vegetable world, but it, never mind. I don't make the rules. I just report on them. They're 90% water. Some mushrooms are super poisonous, so don't go gathering them unless you have a sound knowledge of them or you feel like you've already had a good innings and you've got nothing left to accomplish. They're amazing cooked by themselves with pasta, risotto, or in a stir fry. They're also delicious raw. The right variety of them can also take you on a wild journey from the comfort of your own couch. Mushrooms are amazing vegetables. I know, I know, they're not vegetables, but shh. Now that I've outlined the contenders for best vegetable, we're at the pointy end of the segment. I can already hear you squirming in anticipation, so I'll just get on with it. The winner of the title of Best Vegetable goes to... Potatoes! Woo! Yeah! Congratulations, potatoes! Thank you for having a starring role in our dinner plate since the dawning of time. Thank you for being a staple of our late-night snacks and our party days. Thanks for jazzing up our dinners in your mashed form. Thank you for being the star of my birthday spuds at Spud Bar. Thanks for all the vodka shots, you little ripper potato. 
second part of this episode is dedicated to a very serious topic, marine mammals. Marine mammals are, of course, those mammals that rely on the ocean and other marine ecosystems to survive. They include animals like whales, seals and polar bears. Please note that is a non-exhaustive list. (laughs) There's others. There's others on the list. But we don't have all day, do we? Let's jump right in. We're kicking things off with the big daddy of the ice, the polar bear. Please note, in this context, the use of big daddy is gender neutral. All polar bears are big daddy. Polar bears are so cool. They're big too, like really big. Don't be fooled by how small they look on the screen of your device. In person, it's a much larger situation and you will never defeat a polar bear in a battle over territory. Walk away. Get out of there. Adult male polar bears weigh 350 to 700 kilograms and they measure 2.4 to 3 metres in total length. I have no spatial awareness whatsoever, but I know that's large. Something awesome about polar bears is that they're stealth hunters, meaning their prey rarely knows they're there until it's too late. Imagine being so light and nimble on your feet whilst weighing that much. I couldn't sneak up on my prey if it were comatose. Like just at my size right now. Despite being completely unconscious, it'd hear me coming from 300 metres away and spring to life in time to evade me. Another cool thing about polar bears is that their skin is black and their fur is actually hollow and transparent. It's a reflective kind of situation that leads to them appearing white and it makes them able to camouflage into their environment. That's cool. That's super cool. Like the light just gets right in there and bounces around. Polar bears are born on land, but they spend most of their time on the sea ice. That's why they're classified as sea mammals. It's all to do with their dependence on sea ice. They like to hang out at the edge of the ice to hunt their favourite snacks, seals. Now, female polar bears give birth to their cubs in November or December, making them very likely to be Sagittarians. More on this in a future episode. To conclude, polar bears are rad. Since we're discussing the big dogs of the sea, not actual dogs, let's take a look at whales. One of my favourite things is seeing whales migrating up and down the coast. Like, what a majestic sight. This... COVID-19 shutdown has really emphasised to me how much I enjoy seeing anything. Whales sing songs. I can't even bear the thought of an adult whale swimming along by itself, belting out a tune. How adorable is that? I don't think they're the same kind of songs we sing. Like, you're not going to come across a migrating whale belting out a rendition of Dolly Parton's 9 to 5, but they sing songs that can go for up to 20 minutes. 20 minutes, it must be Don McLean's American Pie. It has got to be that. The blue whale can grow bigger than 90 feet and can weigh up to 150,000 kilograms. Again, I've got no idea about weight or height or anything. My spatial awareness is terrible, but 150,000 kilos feels very large. According to my research, that's approximately 24 elephants. Like... (laughs) How good is that? I love references like that. Like, I'm not really across the size of an elephant off the top of my head. So, telling me a whale is 24 elephants doesn't really mean a great deal to me. Like, you'd be better off just leaving it at whales are huge. 
And I'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, I get what huge means. All right, so they're they're very big. Cool. It's like when Victoria, like in Melbourne, they used to have an ad saying that being hit by a tram was like being hit by 30 rhinos on skateboards. And I see trams every day, but I'm not too familiar with rhinos up close and like definitely not rhinos on skateboards. So it's easier for me to fathom that being hit by a tram is like being hit by a tram. Like, could we have just left it at that? And I would have been like, oh yeah, trams are pretty big. Don't want to be underneath one of those. But instead I'm like, oh, this inconceivable notion like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess it'd be rough if 30 rhinos on skateboards mowed me down. And then I'm like, where'd they get their skateboards from? Like, was the skateboard shop just, like, sure, okay, <laughs> okay, heard of rhinos, yeah, he, sure, here you go. And why do they have skateboards big enough for rhinos to be on, anyway? So many questions, so few answers. Scientists estimate that killer whales can live for over 100 years, earning them a very wet telegram from the Queen. And the baleen whale, which is found in the Arctic, can live for over 200 years, earning them two wet telegrams from the Queen. Amazing. I guess it's easy to survive for ages when you're too big to mess with and there are no trams to run you over. Like in the ocean, they are not coming across 30 rhinos on skateboards. <laughs> there are so many awesome species of whales. Like oh, you could read about whale facts all day. Like I – yeah – I got really bogged down in the old whale facts. So beluga whales have flexible necks, allowing them to move their heads. Okay, that's great. I mean, that'll really help them in their yoga classes. They also have really complex communication repertoires of whistles, clicks and chirps. And so they've been dubbed the canaries of the sea, which is so cute. Like what an adorable nickname. When I whistled, clicked and chirped, my way through my year eight science class, my teacher just said I was annoying and told me to sit in the corridor. Another cool fact is that grey whales make one of the longest annual migration journeys of any animal. They do a 16,000 kilometre round trip, which is approximately how long my daily walk to school was as a child. Humpback whales in the Southern Hemisphere live off their fat reserves for five and a half to seven and a half months each year. So they do that while they're migrating from their tropical breeding grounds to the Antarctic where they go to feed on krill. Like that is a really long way to go for a snack. Once I rode my bike from Kensington in Melbourne to Fitzroy to get a Lord of the Fries burger and chips and I thought that was too much and I think that was five kilometres one way. So 10 kilometres in total. Like that's excessive. Well, humpback whales, next level. And for krill. What? Anyway, no judgment. I'm pleased they've found something they enjoy. Another awesome fact about whales is that I can't say sperm whale without laughing, which constantly reminds me that I have a long way to go before I reach the maturity of an adult human. For those parents who have been playing the podcast for their children, uh, Godspeed explaining that one. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Thanks for your support. Since this podcast is about getting to the bottom of what things are the best, I think it's time for a big reveal. There's no need to drag it out. The facts are before us. The writing's on the wall. The rhinos are on their skateboards. The best marine mammal, 
right? And it's mammal, okay? I should have pointed this out and been clearer about it at the beginning, but we're talking marine mammals, not marine animals, okay? That's why it's been narrowed, narrowed down so much. The best marine mammal of all time is the whale. All of them. They're huge, they're adorable, they sing, they live forever. They are the undeniable royal family of the oceans. Now, just quickly before we wrap up, I'd like to dedicate as little time as possible to the absolute worst marine mammal out there, the sea otter. They're essentially the Freddy Krueger of the sea. People are often enchanted by otters, particularly once they see footage of mating pairs holding hands while they sleep so they don't drift apart from one another. Like that, sure, that's very cute. But the actual reality is that otters are malicious and indiscriminate murder machines. Sea otters have been known to kill other animals, not in self-defense and not for food, but simply for something to pass some time. They're evil, furry fiends and no redeeming qualities. Okay, sure, the holding hands thing is adorable, but settle down, sea otters. Why don't you just enjoy a lovely afternoon floating in the sea instead of drowning that baby seal? Case closed. Sea otters are the worst. On a lighter note, massive congratulations to potatoes and the whale for being the best vegetable and the best marine mammal, respectively. On behalf of broader society, we appreciate all that you both do for us. Thank you so much for tuning in again to the best podcast. An extra massive thank you to all of the legends on my Patreon. Your support directly enabled me to get this podcast off the ground. So I'm forever in your debt. And please remember to subscribe, review and spread the word. I'm Kirsty Wiebeck. Catch you next episode. And don't forget that it's actually you who's the best.